Once again, we have another episode with Apex. We're doing it live. I got a special guest in front of me right now. But before we even introduce our guest, is that I just want to go into what we're talking about today. Today is about a great game that I was had the privilege to play in, in Montclair and Randolph. It was a great game that happened in 1992. Uh, two teams that were at the elite part of high school, Essex County area, and it came together to 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 bring an epic, um, an epic game that has a lot of controversy even to this day. Thirty years later, they're still talking about it. But believe it or not, they're talking about the losing team being us. If you want to call us the losing team, but um, nevertheless. Uh, that's what the topic is going to be about today, and um, I have the privilege to having one of the star players uh, that played in that game, um, number 42, the legend, uh, greatness that he played in the game, um, it's a great article that we have, uh, star legend, if anybody's in the New Jersey area, uh, great article to happen, but the legend, the greatness, my, I like to. I, I, I'm honored to call him my friend, my brother, my confidant, Corey Higgins. What's going on, brother? Hey, shalom, my kid. How you doing, brother? It's good to hear from you. It's uh, good to fellowship with you and and talk about a great subject that you have come up with this evening. Absolutely, absolutely. Peace, peace. I keep to you as well, brother. So today is that you know. We want to talk to the audience, talk to the viewers just about this game that me and you played in, um, the Randolph and Montclair game, man. Um, you know, they just had an article that came out and talking about, you know, the game and, and how we felt about the situation. And I wanted to actually take it to um, a little higher level, you know what I'm saying, to talk about, you know, the people that actually played that, 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 that was uh, <laughs> in the battlefield being you and I. So take me, you know, I guess that day that, you know, waking up that, that, that Saturday or Sunday or what day we played it on. Tell me about that day for you. Well, before I get into that, I just want to, you know, comment on the great introduction you gave me on calling me greatness. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, you know, you know, the true perspective of all things, I think that no one on that team could be called great without the other 10 people on that um, team also. Because we had, uh, you know, a great offense, a great defense, a great special team, and we had great coaches. So we were all great collectively. So you you too, my brother, was also great. So I just want to, you know, give you that. Back at you and let you know that we only did it because we had the, the man standing on the left and the right of us. So Absolutely. Uh, without further ado, that day, man, it was a, it was an awesome day. It was a December day. Uh, I think it was either December first or second. And the ironic thing is that it was a warm December day. So, you know, I did my daily routine when I wake up, and you know, just gather my thoughts. You know, get my body ready, get warmed up. Right. But mentally, you know, mentally, I was. I was on a high. I was ready. I was prepared. 
just as we always do, because you know how we play. We we focus. We were like a college team even in high school. Right, so, right. <laughs> so, you know, our preparation was almost like none other. So I did my daily routine, but, you know, arriving at the, you know, the field house, you know how we did. We, we stayed quiet. We were focused. We right. weren't playing games. There wasn't nobody laughing. No. You know, we, we were focused on our jobs, our positions, and doing the responsible responsibility that comes along with those positions. So right. it was a great day, man. It was a great day for football. You know, the, the crowd was there. I believe they said it was like 15,000 people there or something like that. Right. Very epic. Um, yes. Yeah. So, I mean, the whole family was there. And I was just ready for some football. Right, right. No, uh, definitely. Um, you definitely bring up a lot of good points of just waking up and kind of being focused. And it was funny. I was talking to George Woods about um, the same topic, and he kind of brought something into perspective to me that he was saying that that day really started in the beginning when we had the – the practices where we were captain's practice when everybody showed up. It wasn't mandatory, but everybody showed up and it was 90 degrees and everybody was like so focused on we got something special going on here. Can you, can you, do you remember like the captain days and the, the workouts that, because I actually, he mentioned your name that it was you, um, Mark Elder, and him that y'all kind of worked out during the summer. Well, you know, we had a we had a little isolated crew or group between myself, George Wood, who was my brother, Mark Elder, my brother, and my big brother, rest in peace, Daryl Elder. Okay. Mark's Mark's bigger brother, but we called ourselves the Crunch Bunch. Right, right. <laughs> because we didn't play any games. We came to lay somebody out. We came to hit hard. We came to play some football. So when it came to those captain practices. You know, we did what we had to do. Everything was so serious to us. So we didn't even care if it was not mandatory. We were showing up. We were pulling, putting 110% in everything that we did. Right. So when we did it, we played this. We put those shoulder pads on, the helmets. We came to focus strictly on football. You know, that was our total mindset was dominating. And I think that's what we did throughout the whole season. As, you know, you already know, you know, we sh shut six teams out. Right. Um, you know, I mean, there was a couple teams that didn't even get past the 30-yard line on us because right. we focused so much, you know. We were sitting there in the field room, and we just embraced everything that we were seeing and hearing. And then when we got on the game, we were able to call out the plays that the other team were about to run before they ran. Right, right. Just right. by formation, it lined up. We would call reverse, reverse. Uh -huh. You know, watch the right, watch the right, they cut. I mean, this, 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 our preparation was just so paramount to uh, so many other teams that we didn't play games. We came to do our job, and that's why I was so proud of my, you know, Montclair Mountie football team. You know, I just think that we were the best team on that field on that day playing Randolph. Well, well and, and to add to that, big shout-outs, rest in peace to Coach Cordell to kind of put us, get ready for that preparation of each defensive game, you know, that uh, he, 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 uh, he had the right forces in, in all of us, but he always put us in the right situation to be successful. Yeah, absolutely. When the, you know, Coach Corder was my, my man. Um, he actually did his homework, which he's supposed to do, 
And so, you know, he wouldn't even tell me. He said, all right, it's coming up third down. Watch the tight end. Mm. He was doing those screens, screen right. Mm. And so me being the inside linebacker, I'm on his tail. As soon as they snap that ball, I'm on that tight end's tail or the running back or whoever it was. Right. Up with you. Our defense was unstoppable. I mean, we were going to take you out, interceptions, lay you out. Whatever it was, you were, you were not running that ball. You weren't passing too much. Right. Um, granted, we had a couple of teams that did do well against us, but they didn't do too well. That's right. Mm-hmm. We, we, we were dominant. I mean, the secondary, you know, our quarterbacks, linebackers, defensive end, defensive line, everybody was an all-star in their own right. Right, right, right. And, 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 the, and the thing that we'll, real quick to, you know, not go too long on Coach Cotto, but – I remember Coach Cotto that really impacted my life with him and, and the career that I had with him was that my junior year, uh, I got moved up to varsity, and and um, we played. Um, it was a home. It was a. Uh, it was a uh, Thanksgiving game, homecoming game, and I started. And and uh, you know it was bigger than life for me because you know what I'm saying I, I was junior and I played with the seniors and I'm thinking like okay I'm up here I, I made it. And I got toasted that game, bro. I got toasted. I think I got burnt for like two touchdowns, and I just had a, a the worst game of my high school career. And 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 you hear the people in the background. Uh, you remember Lee, you know, one of our coaches in, in Little League. You hear him. He his boo was the loudest boo. <laughs> you know what I'm and his boo and, was for you. Yeah, yeah. He was like, "Get him out of here. He's getting oh, toasted. Wow. <laughs> Get him out of here." So, <laughs> So I'm hearing this, and I never forget. I never forget to this day. Coach Cordell came to me, put his arms around me. He said, "You know, you my guy, right? So you need to get ready for next week." And that just spoke volumes. And and that's what I always remember, with Coach Cordell. And, and, and the thing was is that I could have, like, almost like we talk about is that it's a learning, like, like this is a learning opportunity. That was an opportunity that he could have, it was two ways you could have put that situation where he, he could have kind of almost tried to destroy my my career or he made it, like, because someone believed in you. So, you know, saying that part right there just spoke so much volumes in it and it just made me say, you know what? It'll never happen again. And from that, you know, no two, two burnt, no, none, none of that happened no more. You know what I'm saying?
and that's and, and and that's what I got. But I'm not gonna go too much on that. I'm going to go back to the Randolph situation very, um, very quickly. Just go into, I guess, uh, let's go into the last two minutes left. Um, Randolph just fumbled. Now we got the ball. Uh, you got T. Garrison in the backfield with you. You're in the backfield. Ponce in the huddle. Walk us through that. So we gave them a little bit better position just by, you know, moving backwards with the ball. But in the huddle, in the office, we was confident. We were total confident that we were in total control. And we really thought the game was now over because we had the ball. But if I could go back, I would have said, let's run that ball down their throat a few more times. And uh, if we would have did that, we would have not left it up to the, to the referees you then have the final say of the game. Okay, so so now from hearing that perspective, so now what happens is is that we uh, Pont kicks a first time in the season. He kicks five yard punt. Usually he's is farther than that. Five or yeah, two. Yeah, I was going to say that too. I was going to say that he kicks the worst punt of the season. Of the season, you know, he does that. Okay, it happens. You know, we we we're, uh, even though we're playing a big game, but we're still teenagers at that time, right? So he does that. Okay, boom, that happens. Um, they have no timeouts. Um, from everybody's perspective. The clock, by the time they get the ball, we're at zero. The mash rush comes on the field. All the fans come because we they see all zeros on the clock. We've counted all zeros. Now, I was talking to a, a good friend of ours, Sham Singh. He said the only problem that he had, and we had a discussion. I said, wow, that makes a great sense because, you know, he coaches now. He said that he should – he being Jack Davis should have had a conversation with the refs that we all counted it down. We have zero seconds. Where does this four seconds come from? If he didn't get a good uh, understanding where the four seconds come, he should have grabbed his whole team and said, we're going to the locker room. We won. We'll deal with this from the NCAA, whatever, whoever was running the, uh, the football league at that time. Then he handled, but but at the at at that time as a coach, he felt he won all zeros. Take your team in in the locker room, saying we're not going back on the field. What do you think about that? I absolutely agree. I, was, I said that then. Okay. I said we said we should have never gotten back on that field. Once it went down to all zeros, every you saw the defeat on the other side. Everybody had their head down. It was over even on the other side. They didn't question any any time. Was nobody sitting there refuting the time of zero zeros? You know, our side we ran on the field and was over. So I mean, before you just add time to the clock, somebody has to answer some questions. And not only that, they added six seconds on the clock where they already said they know that that was not the appropriate amount of time. Okay. So I would have, if I was a coach, I would have never got back on that field until I got correct answers. 
I would have never let my boys get back out there because it's too much at stake. You know, it's just way too much at stake. So, yeah, I would have did the same thing. So, you know, Sham, Sham is a, a football guru. So right. I agree. I agree with his sentiments. Exactly. Okay. So now just to draw you in the conversation and now this being on a platform that we have on this podcast being Apex is that I brought the conspiracy theory to that conversation I had with Sean Sinton. What I said is that from him, from Sean coaching, I don't know, Sean now coaching, let's say eight years. Look at eight years he's been coaching. Now, for an eight-year coach to have that mind frame and a Jack Davis that was coaching triple that amount of time, for him not to have that same mindset makes me wonder. Makes me wonder, was he in on it? And when you say, well, what do you mean in on it? Is that he was a part of the loss. He was, he was knowing that we were supposed to lose. So it was no fight to say, hey, we're supposed to, I'm getting my boys out of here because we all, we, the crowd saw it, I saw it, our team saw it, it's zero seconds, how do y'all get six seconds? We're going in the locker room. For him not to have that mindset for a person that was coached for eight years compared to somebody who was coaching for 30 plus years, I don't understand it. Well, I'll be honest with you. I not going to look at it in that aspect. Um, Jack Davies was a good man. He was a good man to me. Mm-hmm. And so by the mere fact that if you look how distraught him, his son were after that game, you could tell it was nothing for him to gain in that to be a part of that type of conspiracy. Mm-hmm. Because that was the end of his career. He disappeared. He disappeared heartbroken. You know, even his son, John Davies, I mean, was crying his eyes out with us in the locker room. Mm. So I don't uh, I don't particularly um, see it that way or even want to consider that. But now if I did say if anybody, you know, had something to do with it, I would question the referees, you know, okay. because the referees are supposed to be a neutral side. And, and we don't really know if they were on a certain side. You know, so I don't know, but I would I would like to exonerate Jack Davies from that because I saw how hurt he was. I saw that he was not the same, and his family and even even other people said that he was never the same after that game because everything was riding on that game. He knew he had the all time the greatest team that he ever was able to coach, and he brought us to the big bowl, the big game, the championship, and. Through it all, most likely he thought that through his coaching in the last couple of minutes, he it, he lost it for us and didn't secure it for for his his boys. So I would I would like to exonerate Jack Davies, but I I would question the referees. Well, well, that's a great thing about you know the platform that we have. We can get out our true feelings. We can uh, exonerate people that we feel that's being wrongfully accused for something and that's that's what this is about that's what this platform is and it's for you to express yourself me to express myself and for our listeners to i guess draw up their own opinion about yeah, the topic, absolutely you know? absolutely i mean just when you look at it though i, I mean the, the man was in pain after that loss right it hurt as, as i just i gather how hurt i was 
he was as hurt as I was. Hmm. You can see it in his face. He cried. He was never the same. He never coached again after that. Imagine, if he had won that game, do you think he would have coached again? Of course. Of course, yeah. yeah. But he, he lost. Us. He never coached again. <laughs> right. So that loss did something to him also. So he had everything in the bank to try to win that. So that's why I say, you know, let's just get him off the hook. But right. like I said, the referees I would always question. Okay, one last question about Jack Davis, then we'll push on because we're going to wrap up in a little bit, is that with Jack Davis, okay, so let's just say he was painful, he, he was hurt, he was, you know, everything that you're saying, I, I, I don't uh, dispute that. My question now to you as a player uh, under Mr. Davis, Jack Davis, is that when did you find out he was retiring? When, when, when did you know? Did you know before? Um, I didn't know he was retiring until... I didn't hear, excuse me, I didn't hear he was trying, retiring, he retired until they did the article this year. I never know he retired. I just thought he quit or he didn't come back. I didn't know he called out for his retirement. I just thought he quit. So I didn't find out, me personally, I didn't find out until the article. Well, 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 the thing is that what I'm going to do is that um, I'm going to wrap up this this um, this great conversation. It was great. I, wa I think we hit a lot of things that uh, people needed to hear, especially from the players. Uh, I want to thank, you know, Mr. Higgins, my man, you know what I'm saying, good friend of mine coming in and, uh, uh, you know, talking to us and, and, and sharing his point of view. And, and how he felt about Mr. Davis. I think that's important. That's that's put out there. So um, I wanted to say I appreciate you. Thank you, brother. I love you, man. You know what I mean? And uh, I appreciate it, man. But this is another episode of Apex. You can always find us out here. We're, 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 we're strong up the good conversation, things that you might not have known. Now you know at Apex. So once again, I appreciate it, man. And um, viewers. Don't forget to hit that um, subscribe button and make sure you uh, let other people know about this great uh, platform of uh, understanding. And until the next uh, Apex episode, have a great day on purpose. Any last words, uh, Mr. Higgins?